queers and stuff, and we're Allison, and we're Shan, and this is Vintage Lesbians. Hello and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. My name is Allison, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Shan. And this is Vintage Lesbians. Yay! Yay! That was nice. Oh, we harmonized just then. I thought it was really good. I thought we sounded a bit like Sir Robin's minstrels. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, Shan, how are you doing? Well. Shan is quizzically looking around his I'm trying space. to figure it out. That's how I'm doing. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. Just all of it. Any fun stories or vignettes from the past couple of weeks with which you would like to share with our listeners? I haven't done anything at all. You've done things. This carpet's never been cleaner. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, (laughs) I'm doing some carpet cleaning. It's very exciting. Trying to make my home a little tidier and cleaner so that maybe my brain feels a little tidier and cleaner. I don't know. Is it working? I don't know. (laughs) It's nicer. Yeah. I don't feel quite so bogged down by, like, the need to do a thing, so. Although, every time I vacuum, I realize that I should be vacuuming every day because I have a cat, and she's so cute. She's the most perfect angel on the planet. I would die for her if she wanted me to. I would kill myself and everyone in the room if she asked me to. Mm -hmm. I'm in the room, and I'm not upset because I've met this cat. Yeah, and she's that great, but she sheds so much, especially in the summer because it's so hot. Ugh, my poor girlfriend has been sleeping here in this den of allergens. What an angel she is. How are you? I saw Lozo in concert. Whoa, I forgot yeah. about that. How was how was that? It was so good. I'm a new person, a changed person. I can now divide my life into before Lizzo and after Lizzo. Did you make eye contact with her? We didn't because it was also the single most crowded I've ever been in my life. Mainly, I just sort of was whisked away by the crowds. Oh, we got pretty close. That sounds terrifying. As I was there, I thought, man, Chan would hate this. Yeah. Chan would be. I don't go to concerts. I enjoy concerts only in theory. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that there are so many other people there. And they're all going to make more noise around me than the noise I will hear from the good people I want to meet or see. Mm-hmm. Enjoy their art. And they would all be all pressed up on you. They would do touch on me. Yes. I, I got very, very... For a while there, so my friend Tanya just like grabbed my hand and was like, we're going in. And just like jumped in. Um, and so I was mainly just sort of like trailing behind Tanya her. Tanya seems rad. She's awesome. Um, I was mainly trailing behind her and floating in the air a little bit. And for a second, like, I spent a good... Because of the Lizzo vibes? Mm-hmm. Well, also the just trying to get in with yeah, more yeah. people. It was a block like party. A, like vaguely crowd surfing. Yeah. And for a while there, I was, like, completely hugging a strange man that I didn't see. Because Tanya was in front. She had my arm. And he was to my side. I'm miming it out for Shan. Listeners will just have to use their imagination. Just got very close. And it was, it was fun. It was good. We all made friends. My party got separated. Oh, you never split the party. And we all made friends with our it's surroundings. It's so much harder with, for the DM to handle. 
Although where I was, I was trying to make friends with the people around us, but like this guy named Robert kept trying to flirt with this girl named Lauren, I think. They're from different parties as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he'd like say something funny and then she would sort of like weekly smile. He he wouldn't even say something funny. Something he would think was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then something I that would was riff suppo- off of it. Not even funny, just it was supposed to be vaguely impressive. Mm-hmm. Or or this is a thing to make you laugh. Huh, huh, look how great mm-hmm. I am. And Lauren, who was there with her own boyfriend, <laughs> just sort of smile. And I would make a hilarious riff off of it. And, like, because you're punch hilarious. It up, and I would get a sideways look as if to say, why are you even talking to us even though you're the person who initiated this conversation? It's very rude. Anyway. Man, strangers are... They were... The straights? A, the straights are a trip. Are awful. But then Tanya grabbed my hand. Further and we went. Robert had to stay behind. And I'd say poor Robert, but... No. Screw that guy. Anyway, you want to hear more about a, a vintage gay? <laughs> I want to hear anything about a vintage gay. Okay. Also, Lizzo is great, and she shouted out queers, and uh, she said, this song is for the ladies and all of my non-binary and gender non-conforming folks, and it was awesome. Fuck yeah. And uh, she is beautiful and perfect, and I took videos that I will be sharing with my therapist. Thank you. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're here to talk about Ursula Nordstrom. Have Did you, you say Ursula Nordstrom? Ursula Nordstrom. Ursula like the sea witch. Yes. Nordstrom like the department store. Yes. Unrelated, but ever since doing research for her, I have been getting a lot of targeted Nordstrom ads. Ah. Yes. Ursula Nordstrom, we briefly, briefly talked about during the Louise Fitzhugh episode. Ah, uh, yes. yes. She was the um, children's publisher at HarperCollins, Harper yes. Row, at, during the 40s, 50s, Before and 60s. They were HarperCollins. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And she Tell me more of this. Was incredible. Louise Fitzhugh contemporary. I'm in love with her, which is unlike me. Wow. I also want to be her. I want to be her and marry her. You. I want to become her. Completely unique takes. I want to become her on vintage gaze. Duplicate myself as her, and then marry each other. Anyway, let me tell you more about this lovely person. Okay, so I become her. You you become Ursula. And then I split into two like an amoeba. Okay, so you become a different person and then split. reproduce asexually. Mm-hmm. And then... And then marry... And then you're something... Pretend I said something really funny just then, dude. <laughs> Was that good? Did Thank that sound you. genuine? Yeah. yeah, that sounded good. Cool, 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 cool. You're still not able to tell again. None of this is making it into the podcast. (laughs) I know, and that's fine. (laughs) Ursula Nordstrom was born in New York City on February 1st, 1910. Was she born in the department store? No, but that was a funny joke. Was she born in the deep ocean? (laughs) Nope. Also funny. (laughs) She was an Aquarius. Hey! And a water carrier. That that is a water sign. (laughs) Nope. It's an air sign. I know. <laughs> I just want it to be a water sign so bad right now in this moment. I mean, it has it's a water carrier. There's water, water in it. Yeah, I water. mean, I'm an earth sign, but a Capricorn is a mermaid goat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All life started in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Not unlike Ursula Nordstrom, who had nothing to do with any of this conversation. Uh, her parents were actors. Um her father, Henry E. Dixie, was a fairly famous actor at that time. Um, he mostly did plays and musicals, although he was in three silent films. 
His best-known role was the lead in a burlesque musical called Adonis, where he played Adonis, a gorgeous male statue that comes to life and finds human waves so unpleasant that he turns back into stone. He finds what so unpleasant? Human ways. Human ways. I thought you said human waves. And, and then back I was, on the ocean. And then I was like, wait, he finds the ocean unpleasant? What the hell? <laughs> I got, like, offended mm-hmm. for um, my wife, the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> His uh, wife and Ursula's mom was named Mary Nordstrom. She was also an actress, but she wasn't as famous, so I couldn't find out that much about her. They met when she was 19 and he was 47. Gross. She was initially an opera singer, and then she accompanied her sister to an audition and Henry was the theatrical director and was like, hey, why don't you? Oh, God, I'm going to vomit. But then they eventually, they got married. They eloped in 1909, and Ursula was born approximately nine-ish months later. Mm-hmm. And then they divorced when Ursula was seven, and she lived with her mother and rarely saw her father again. Good, because he's disgusting. Yeah. And, and she has his last... Should be put away. She has uh, her mom's last name. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's just that 46, 47-year-old dudes... What? They don't have a lot in common with your average 19-year-old. Why, why would you be attracted to a 19-year-old? Because you're pedophiles. Yes, actually. But like, honestly. I mean, they're over 18, but like still. 18 is an arbitrary line we draw when you look at it from like a psychological brain development standpoint. Mm-hmm. Any trauma that happens before age 25 is childhood trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, yeah. she's Like, I would not date a 19-year-old and I'm 28 because... Like, you just left high school last year, or maybe you might still be in high school. I don't want to date you. It's like a 23-year-old that I'm interested in, and I keep thinking, oh, is that weird? I might cut that out. It's, like, on the edge of weird. I know, but it's I'm going to cut that out, though. <gasps> so cute, though. Yeah, right? Cut that like, out, though. Yeah, I'm going to cut that out, because, yeah. like, they can't know that I like no, her. No. Like, that would be super lame. You can't tell a girl you like her, Allison. It makes you look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Anyway, when our slow is younger... She went to a lot of boarding schools and prep, like that kind of like college prep schools. She always wanted to be a writer. So like, <clears throat> hold on, forming a sentence, computing, beep, boop, bop. processing, beep, beep, boop. processing, beep, boop, bop, beep. processing, beep, boop, beep, bop. So her mom was pretty well off then or like, I, I'm not sure. Her mom was an actress and she um, was an opera singer. And I don't know. I mean, what... if she was a contracted actress yeah. with a movie studio, that's this is pre-movie studio though. Maybe not pre pre movie studio. When was this? They lived in New York City. This was so they got uh, divorced in 1916 ish. Yeah, she did have a stepfather. Ursula did. Okay, so that makes yeah, that makes sense then. Yes, I was just wondering how a single mother in the 20th, like early 20th century, would afford fancy fancy schools. Mm Unless she had, unless she was rich, but we don't know much about her, so she's clearly mm-hmm. not. Yeah, true. marry someone with money. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, not part of the Nordstrom family. I googled it, got no result. When Ursula was younger, she wanted to be a writer, um, but her mom and stepfather thought that wasn't super practical, so they. Her mom's an actress. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that it might have been more the stepfather thing, or maybe she was like, "I pursued my dreams of an artist. What did that get me in a relationship with someone significantly older than me?" And yes, it made me have yeah, a beautiful blame daughter. Blame the but, acting. Yeah, I don't know. Not the. I blame the men, gross men exist everywhere. Mm-hmm. They enrolled her in secretarial school because they thought that would help her get a leg up, help her get a job, and get Heck a job yeah. she did. Heck yeah! Uh, when she was twenty-one, she started working as a clerk in Harper and Brothers College textbook department. 
Ooh. Um, she did not like it at all. Glamorous. It was very boring. It sounds extremely boring. <laughs> uh, when she was 21, she described herself as a painfully shy young woman. But she did start to meet and impress other people in the Harper Brothers company, um, including the director of the Books for Boys and Girls division. She began to work for them in 1936, and then by 1940, that director of the division retired and Nordstrom succeeded her. I know we say this a lot, but this would make a really great TV show. It would make a great TV show, or even a movie, a Mm -hmm. miniseries. I'm picturing it in the style of like a... HBO special. Nice. Picturing it inside of like a Mad Men or a yeah, it was kind of like vaguely film noir. The books for boys and girls division is described as always being hugely understaffed and very messy, Mm. which leads itself to a great background for a comedy sitcom drama. (laughs) Not a sitcom. Aaron Sorkin could write it and like write all the female characters really poorly. Could be like a dramedy. Ooh, yes. Well, he wouldn't write all the female characters really poorly. He'd write one female character really poorly and then like change one aspect of her. And then that's all the female characters he's ever written. Mm-hmm. It's just the one. What if he wrote a fully fleshed out male character and then at the last minute swapped the gender? What if he realized women were people? Right. Amy Sherman Palladino could write it. Amy Sherman Palladino can write anything. <laughs> and under Ursula's direction, this hugely understaffed, messy, disorganized division changed the face of children's literature forever you damn straight it did mm-hmm. it said that she has actually a... you're not straight no because I'm of all the gays all she the published gay. yeah she published and how that she's gay too she's also uh, gay. it's not <laughs> it's not damn straight at all it's um, heckin gay <laughs> <laughs> she had a rule about um, new authors, new people who are interested in being authored, and that was that anyone who called or got off the elevator or rode in could be seen and heard. Um, she always answered her phone herself, and then if she heard any other phone ring, she would yell something like, answer that, that might be the next Mark Twain. She, what a great lady. I love her. I love like, her. That honestly brought a tear to my eye. Mm-hmm. We're only like... Two out of seven pages in, so like, buckle up, you're going to fall deeply, madly in love with Ursula Nordstrom. I'm so ready. My heart is open. Uh, She edited and published books like Harold and the Purple Crayon, (gasps) Harriet the Spy, The Giving Tree, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Oh, The Giving Tree sucks, but that's fine. Julie of the Wolves. Giving Tree needs to grow some boundaries. Mm -hmm. It does. Sorry, hold on. Actually, no, that does make sense because it's a tree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to change it to establish some boundaries. Nope. And then I realized I did a pun. I thought it was an on-purpose pun. Keep it in so that other people think I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> Will do. I took stimulants for the first time in a, like a week. She published The Runaway Bunny and Goodnight Moon by noted bisexual author Margaret Wise Brown. Heck yeah. She worked with Laura Ingalls Wilder in publishing <gasps> The Little House on the Prairie books. I loved those books. Wilder even gifted her Pa's actual fiddle. Aww. Right? That's so sweet. <laughs> uh, she edited Stuart Little by E.B. White. And he trusted her enough after she edited that, that in 1952, he unexpectedly gave her the manuscript of a book he was working on called Charlotte's Web. <gasps> and then was like, by the way, that's my only copy. And so she Whoa. said, I was so overwhelmed. I didn't dare take a chance on losing the manuscript on the train home or whatever so i sat down and began to read you imagine charlotte imagine the world without charlotte's web right well before ursula pig in the city unrelated but related because of the pigs big pig in the city was never a book was it 
The Babe. Babe. I never. No, it was based on Charlotte's Web. Babe isn't based on Charlotte's Web. Wasn't it? Am I conflating things? Charlotte's Web had a pig. Yeah, that'll do pig. Some pig. No, that, that'll do pig is, is Babe. I thought Babe and Charlotte's Web were the same thing. No. Please cut all of that out. No. I will pay you money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you sure? No. No one could know. Are they really not the same? <laughs> they are not the same. <laughs> One is about a pig that learns, becomes friends with sheep. And they're like, you're going to die unless you learn how to be our sheep shepherd guy. No, he gets raised by, by sheep dogs. And, <laughs> and they're like, you have to bite him to make the herd go. Isn't and then he talks to the sheep. There's a little girl in like, Charlotte's Web who falls in love with a pig. <laughs> she doesn't fall in love with the pig. Or she does love the yes, pig, Yes, you're though. Th- talking about fawn. Oh, There's no little girl in Babe. To my knowledge, <sighs> to my memory, there are there are there are mice in each, there are sheep in each, but babes about pig, but they who's like a shepherd. And in my head, they're the same thing. <laughs> one, a pig escapes slaughter by having magical words appear above him. Yeah, I thought. And then that the was, other one, he escapes slaughter right? by becoming a um, world famous sheepdog. <laughs> ba ram you, ba ram you. Oh my god. <laughs> sheep be true. I refuse to believe that Babe is not a little bit based on Charlotte's Web. I mean, Web. it has to have at least been like inspired. inspired by. It's a cute pig. It's a cute pig, and it came out after Charlotte's Web, so even at least like subconsciously, I'm sure the author. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna hold on to that. Mm-hmm. You can I cut had... out all the parts where I asked you to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I. I had a VHS copy of Babe Pig, in, or just the regular Babe. I, I don't know if I've ever seen Babe Pig in the city. I watched it a lot, which is why I'm so intimately familiar. I think I saw it once. It's a good movie. I think movie. I read Charlotte's Web on the same day. I'm actually having a mild memory right now of there being a like movie day in the library, and I didn't like the movie. It was Babe. So I started reading Charlotte's Web. <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. So, of course, they became conflated. Oh, damn. I thought the pig in Charlotte's Web was also named Babe. No, his name was Wilbur. Oh, my God. Babe is an Australian film. That's a fun fact. I always thought it was British. weird. It was Australian. I don't remember there being accents. And it is based on a novel called The Sheep Pig, which came out in 83. Anyway, Nordstrom maybe wasn't the most obvious choice to take over as the director for the Books for Boys and Girls division. For one, she didn't have any kids. Uh, she never went to college. She had a hard time making decisions. She hated making decisions, and she couldn't spell. At one point, a superintendent of children's work at the New York Public Library even like snottily asked her like how she thought that she felt qualified to produce a children's book. And Ursula said, well, I am a former child, and I haven't forgotten a thing. <laughs> That's so great. I cannot stand adults who pretend they were never children right i don't get how like like kids don't remember it or uh, grown-ups i oh i understand <laughs> I why they wouldn't remember it because you know traumas happen and and some people genuinely don't get childhoods but mm-hmm. grown-ups who like or adults or whatever who condescend to children merely because they're doing childlike things mm-hmm. let children be children under her direction, the children's book division at Harper began to thrive. Because she chose good books. Yeah. She wasn't choosing it on, like, 
who that's the thing though is because she was talking to everyone she was letting everyone through the door Mm -hmm. she was reading everything she was looking at everything so she saw things that maybe like an old like a white dude wouldn't have because he wouldn't have talked to a lady about a book she wrote he would have condescended to her and say you think a woman can write a whole book huh (laughs) even though women invented novels she actually superheroes wrote about that so children's books were often agreed yes not even agreed not agreed those are just science those are rock facts understand fact science fiction the genre of horror was invented by mary shelley Mm -hmm. she's the first one she's so great anyway i think even before ursula the people who were in charge of publishing children's book were often women and she described them as mediocre ladies in influential positions they put women in charge of picking children's books because they didn't think it mattered yeah absolutely a hundred percent that's really fucked up she wrote that some mediocre ladies in influential positions are actually embarrassed by an unusual book and so prefer the old familiar stuff which doesn't embarrass them and also doesn't give the child one slight inkling of beauty and reality yeah i feel like children's books before the 50s were all like see jane see jane run like they were very simple and this person made a mistake and now they're going to make up for it and now they're never going to do that mistake again and they'll be a proper little girl and a proper little boy and it's fucking boring she described them as bad books for good kids (laughs) guess what she described the books that she published good books for bad kids yup yay (laughs) (laughs) um she did so well in her position that once some hires up at the company took her out to lunch and told her that she had just gotten a promotion to one of the bigger adult divisions, and she got very angry. She was furious. And she said, I couldn't possibly be interested in books for dead, dull, finished adults, and thank you very much, but I have to get back to my desk and publish some more good books for bad children. <laughs> I'm in love with this woman. Right? Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, she didn't publish for parents. She published for the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. When you actually, when you start making kid things for kids instead mm-hmm. of their parents, it's so much better. And I'm not talking like fucking Dora the Explorer and Blue's Clues, that bullshit. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff that kids actually would relate to, yes. not condescending crap. I remember being a kid and I know what kind of things I was into. Let's make more of that. Yeah. Because kids have such a higher, like, ability to accept the absurd. Yes. And, like, use their imagination. Yes. Especially back then, because back then kids didn't grow up with the books that she published. Um, Yeah, poor kids. She was known for mentoring and, like, nourishing relationships with all of her authors and illustrators, especially ones that she saw a special spark in. Ooh. And one of the best-known author relationships she had was with Maurice Sendak, who is the author of books like The Night Kitchen. Maurice Sendak, Where the Wild Things Are? And Where the Wild Things Are. Hey, I love that guy. She's the one who discovered him. Uh, he was working as a window display artist at FAO Schwartz. Oh my god, that's amazing. She saw his work and was like, you should do children's books, and she hired him on the spot. Sendek, incidentally, gay. Yeah. Yeah. Super gay. She found him work as an illustrator. Uh, she mentored him and nurtured his skills and encouraged him to write his own books, and then got them published at Harper when he did. He had this idea for a book, and she changed the premise of it a little bit, because he couldn't draw horses, and that's how Where the Wild Horses Are became Where the Wild (gasps) Things Are. Wow! Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome! And she wrote him some of the best letters full of the best and warmest advice I've ever read, and I'm going to read some of them to you right now. Okay, I'm ready to weep, because I love... Okay, I love Maurice Sendak. I Mm -hmm. love Where the Wild Things Are. It's so good. Uh, 
it's right up there with like Shel Silverstein for mm-hmm. me. She also worked with Shel Silverstein. I cannot imagine my childhood without all of the books that she made possible. Yeah, absolutely. I'm and more. wow. At this point, um, Sendak was illustrating some uh, revised Tolstoy for children books, and he wrote her a letter and was like, he felt like a fraud. Tolstoy's such a good author. I'm such a bad author, etc., etc., etc. And she wrote back a very long and incredible uh, letter. I'm not going to read all of it because mm-hmm. we don't have all afternoon, but I am going to publish it on our Patreon. And I would highly encourage all of you to go and read the entire thing. Um, so it begins, Dear Maurice, I've been out of the office with a bad throat and assorted aches, which is why I haven't written you before. I also spent the entire day Saturday writing you a big, fat, long-handed letter about Tolstoy, life, death, and other items that you can get at your friendly green stamp store. And (laughs) then I left it at home. So I will now send you the gist of what I think I wrote, and it will be more legible than my handwriting anyhow. Before getting into the big bulk of the advice, she does include like a line saying, Please remember that the moon will be full on Friday the 25th, and then take a look at it. It should be beautiful over Lake Champlain. And then she compared him to Tolstoy and she said you are more of a poet in your writing at least right now yes Tolstoy is wonderful his publisher asked me for a quote um that was a little joke because Tolstoy's publisher did not ask her for a quote (laughs) you get it but you can express as much emotion and cohesion and purpose in some of your drawings as there is in War and Peace and I mean that you write and draw from the inside out which is why I said poet so she then quotes Sendek um from his past letter and um he had said He had the sense of having lived one's life so narrowly, with eyes and senses turned inward. An actual sense of the breadth of life does not exist in me. I am narrowly concerned with me. All I will ever express will be the little I have gleamed of life for my own purposes. And who hasn't thought that before, you know? Like, I'm so selfish. All I talk about is just my own experiences. Like, how dare I just offer Mm -hmm. what I can see to the world? Look at these big, marvelous views of humanity that Tolstoy is offering, and look at me. Yeah, um, but Tolstoy's just viewing humanity from his fucking perspective. Mm-hmm. That's what Ursula said. She said, isn't that what every fine artist and writer ever expressed? If your expression is now more an impressionist one, that doesn't make it any less important or profound. That whole passage in your letter was intensely interesting to me. Yes, you did live with eyes and senses turned inward, but you had to. Socrates said, know thyself, and now you do know yourself better than you did, and your work is getting richer and deeper, and it had such an exciting emotional quality. I know you didn't need and didn't ask for compliments from me. These remarks are not compliments, just facts. Hmm. And then um, the last paragraph is the one that gets me right in the heart. Um, You reminded me that you are 33. I always think 29, but okay. Anyhow, aren't the 30s wonderful? And 33 is still young for an artist with your potentialities. I mean, you may not do your deepest, fullest, richest work until you're in your 40s. You are growing and getting better all the time. I hope it was good for you to write me the thoughts that came to you. It was very good for me to read what you wrote and to think about your letter. I'm sorry you have writer's cramp, as you put it, but I'm glad that you're putting down pure Sendekian vagary. I think you invented that good word. The more that you put down, the better, and I'll be glad to see anything you want to show me. You referred to your Adam's worth of talent. You may not be Tolstoy, but Tolstoy wasn't Sendak either. You have a vast and beautiful genius. You wrote, It would be wonderful to want to believe in God. The aimlessness of living is too insane. That is the creative artist, a penalty of the creative artist, wanting to make order out of chaos. The rest of us plain people just accept disorder, if we even recognize it, and get a bang out of our five beautiful senses if we're lucky. Well, I'm not making sense, but we'll send this anyhow. 
Hope your vacation is wonderful. I'll see you when you get back. And thanks again for writing, Ursula. Huh. I'm, I'm going to get a copy of... You may not be Tolstoy, but Tolstoy wasn't Sendak either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a point in my head, and it has flown away on the wind. There it is. When are when are women going to stop couching what we say in... Am I making sense right now? I'm not making sense right now, but you understand. Like, mm-hmm. can we just, as, as, a, as a human species, stop doing that and acting like we're not speaking and communicating clearly with each other? I'm very guilty of that, and I've never really I thought about it. I do it all the fucking time. To be fair, sometimes I don't think I'm making sense. I, I will... I'll... I also think that sometimes I don't make coherent sense because I kind of jump around topics. But even when I don't, even when I do that, like no one's ever had an issue actually understanding me. Mm -hmm. And if they have, they've asked for clarification. Right. Most of my friends also have ADHD. Yeah. So I can go from A to C. So fast. I just wish that we would stop immediately second guessing ourselves as soon as we open our mouths. Right. I wonder if that makes it easier, like, when she, because she said that right after she was saying, like, some super profound things, Mm -hmm. like, the penalty of the creative artist is wanting to make order out of chaos. The rest of us plain people just accept disorder if we recognize it and get a bang out of our five beautiful senses if we're lucky. And I wonder if, like, women are trained to do that or just... Oh, we because sure are. You can't own, like, profound thoughts. No. You have to, like, make other people decide it's profound for you it's like you don't know you're beautiful by one direction Ugh, yeah no it's 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 a way of like it's it's more it's more hysteria you're not mm-hmm. making any sense right now what are you talking about mm-hmm. what do you mean your body hurts in that specific way my body's never hurt in that specific way so you must just be crazy it's we have always dismissed women's words mm-hmm. look at fucking our first goddamn episode sappho born after homer we have most of his work and we have one of hers. We mm-hmm. have always buried women's voices. So when women do speak up, they feel uncomfortable doing it and they couch it in like, oh, but sorry if I'm not making sense. And oh, do you need me to explain? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking up space. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry I'm here right now. I'm sorry that a man isn't talking. It's like, let me give you an out in case yeah, you need it. Yeah, let me give you an out so you can dismiss everything I say off the bat. Mm-hmm. And if I give you the out, it won't hurt when you do it. Exactly. Agreed. Nordstrom, Just some food for thought. (laughs) (laughs) As I mentioned, she was a therapist, confidant, and friend to all of her authors and illustrators, and she was always their creative guardian and greatest champion. At one point... Art mama. She was an art mama. Um, She really was. Uh, At one point, she wrote to Edward Gorey, who was gay, incidentally... You know Edward Gorey. Name's not familiar. We're going to do an episode on Edward Gorey one of these days, and you're going to recognize him. I feel like we're going to do episodes on a lot of gay children's authors. Yep. Well, I mean, it's such a, um, like, pushed-down fact that so many people who shaped their childhoods were gay. He was the one who did the, like, Gashly Crumb Tinies. And the A is for Alice, who died. (laughs) This guy? That guy. Yeah. Anyway, he wrote her for advice, and the card that she wrote back um, said, Thank you for your card telling me that you're having a nervous breakdown. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Oh, my God. (sighs) And she was so, so protective of all of her artist's works. At one point, one of Sendak's books, In the Night Kitchen, is the first book to include a protagonist fully naked. And a librarian 
did not like that and defaced the book. Um, mm-hmm, some sources mm-hmm. say that she painted a white diaper on it. Others say that she burned the book. And so Nordstrom sent out a very strongly worded anti-censorship press release, and it got 425 signatures from librarians, professors, publishers, and artists from around America to co-sign, like, that's inappropriate. Boo, hiss. In 1954, someone complained about the book How to Make an Earthquake by Ruth Krauss. Um, It was a fake activity book, and it included activities like how to balance a peanut on your nose and how to make a tunnel of love for kittens without a mother. Um, (laughs) What? It was just like one of those, like, like I was reading about it. I had never heard of it, but it seems like the sort of thing that I would read. Yeah. Yeah, it was like... I love fake activities I love for kids. Books like, I love yeah. books like that, like uh, fake survival guides. Yeah, that kind of thing. The person who wrote in didn't like the book. He didn't understand the humor or how children think or using your imagination. And uh, because he grew up on books that didn't require it and therefore never developed one, I get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her response back was, "I am crushed to the ground and I bleed at every pore when I read your plaintive <laughs> statement to the sales manager." <laughs> Oh, man, I am crushed to the ground, and I bleed at every pore. (laughs) You wrote, I wonder if this book couldn't stand a little editing if it isn't too late. It is too late for any changes in lateness aside. We want to publish Ruth Krauss. She's the person who wrote it. You put that together with context clues. And we do have to publish 100% pure Krauss. I respect her instinct and her final judgments, and when she decides that there is nothing she more she could do to a book, I have to respect her knowledge and trust her, because she's the one with the talent, and I'm only someone who recognizes and loves creative talent. And the talent what of recognizing talent and nurturing it is so important. It goes so under some... Yeah. Every, like, not not to, like, hang a lampshade on it, but behind every great artist, there's someone who saw them and said, hey, you're awesome. Mm-hmm. Let me give you You should you do the that voice. more. Yeah. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Nobody does anything alone. Nobody does anything alone. Looking right into the camera, if there was a camera, that my, yeah. our listeners, like, as if to say, hey, <laughs> do your thing. Get a support system to do it. Speaking of support systems, if you want to support us... <laughs> perfect seamless plug <laughs> you can do that at patreon.com slash vintage les pod seven bucks a month and one day we might even put a bonus content there's one piece of bonus there's content one i'm working on two more i'm so sorry <laughs> we're gonna record some actual episodes we have things planned we do sometimes it's just that i me shan i am having a, a mental breakdown like um it's i'm not it's not a joke i'm <laughs> I can't work right now. I physically and mentally cannot work right now. So, like, even spending an hour recording is probably all the energy I have for the day. And Thank you for giving me all of your energy. Because today. I love this podcast and it's worth it. I just want everyone to understand where I'm at right now. I'm not, I'm, n- I'm not, I've hit rock bottom and I'm, like, on the way back up. Yeah. It's just so steep, the walls. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I've been here before, and I'll show you the way up. I have. I can reach. I can reach rock bottom <laughs> from here. And if I if I stop focusing or if I let go, I'm gonna hit it again. It's like you're on tiptoes from rock bottom. Like and I'm like, kind of like holding myself wedged in mm-hmm. between like the steep walls, and I'm shimmying up. Like in the Emperor's New Groove. Yes. Throughout all of her time at Harper, Ursula. Um, kept rising through the ranks. She was the first female vice president. Shimming Shimming up. (laughs) First female vice president in 1960. Um, She launched the I Can Read Books division. 
which created books for early readers. Before that, there wasn't anything aside from like she created board books. Mm-hmm. She um, oh my god paired Sendak with Elsie Homeland Minerick to create Little Bear, and then they're like, "All right, make that the I can read books division." I I can read but like I don't have a lot. I don't of I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if if like if I'm getting across how Im- like how important she this woman is changed. She changed the literature. She changed everyone's childhood. She created, like, I didn't know board books didn't exist Mm-mm. before her because they're so you ubiquitous. You fun with, with Dick and Jane books, but, like. I had a few of those. My mom had the, mm-hmm. my mom had some, and I, I uh, used to keep them in my bookshelf, and they sucked so hard. Yeah, it didn't exactly inspire a love of reading in children. No. No. You know, it did Little Bear. I'm I'm just, like. One woman, and I, and not to say that if she hadn't done it, someone else wouldn't have stepped in and and well, she did taken the role. But she changed the face of children's literature, mm-hmm. point blank. Period. We rock, wouldn't be here probably if she hadn't. I would existed. not be the person that I am without like I can read books and and and. Maury Sendak and Shel Silverstein and all of these people like mm-hmm. they shaped even Goodnight Moon. I read that with my mom every single night. Even just like I just started started reciting it in my head a little bit. Yeah. And I got so peaceful. I was like, oh, in a great green room. And I was like, oh, I'm so I had no idea that that was one woman one person, one and, gay and woman. The one thing that she did differently was leave the door open to anyone. Mm hmm. And it. she reframed the audience to be for the actual audience. Yeah, and not for their fucking parents. And not even, like, all of their parents, because, like, the parents bought these for their kids. They liked them, too. Yeah. It's just, that it was more Honestly, like they were thinking of, like, kind oh, of guess yeah. what the parents yeah. would like. Yeah. It's, it's mm. They were playing towards, like, the small minority that would push back against it. <sighs> Ursula made several attempts to retire and was finally able to in 1979 when she was 69 years old. Nice. Pause for Shan to say nice. <laughs> As I mentioned, she was gay. She kept her private yep. life private. She worked so closely with kids that she had to. Yeah, of course. But we know that she lived with her companion, Mary Griffith, for mm-hmm. most of her adult life. In interviews, she would refer to her, to her as the friend with whom I live. They met at Harper, and I don't really know much about her aside mm-hmm. from that. Uh, they lived in New York City for several decades, and they eventually moved to rural Connecticut and lived out the rest of their lives oh, there. that's nice. Um, Honestly, I like it when we don't know much about their romantic lives. Yeah. Because I like that we don't focus on, like, their sexuality is not all of them. Mm-hmm. It's just one tiny aspect. Yeah. And she seemed like the sort of person who wanted her privacy. Yeah. She got it. Yeah. Um, Sorry about this podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, now she's dead. <laughs> And it's important for it's us to know about her. privacy. No, I, I, oh God, what a, what a crazy, important woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did edit and publish I'll Get There, It Better Be Worth the Trip in the year 1969. Oh, nice. <laughs> and this is one of the first YA novels that featured explicitly gay characters. I've never read it. I've never read it either. I would like to get it. Um, but when she was deciding whether or not to What's publish it, called? it, it's called I'll Get There, It Better Be Worth the Trip. There was a lot of controversy when it was released, and she defended it strongly because, of course, she did. And she talked about her decision to publish that, and she said before even getting that manuscript, she said, 
I had for years also said that I wished somebody would write a book that would give just a hint that there could be a romantic feeling between two persons of the same sex. It happens to almost everybody when they're growing up, a crush on a teacher or something, and they outgrow it or they don't outgrow it. Yep. She also wrote her own book called The Secret Language. It got two printings. Um, I've also never read this, but it has good reviews. It was based on her own experiences in boarding school about two girls who develop an incredibly deep friendship, and it's queer-coded as heck, and supposedly very, very good. Ursula Nordstrom died of ovarian cancer on October 11th, 1988, when she was 78 years old. Mm. At the end of her obituary, it said, with her at her time of death was her longtime companion, Mary Griffith. There are no other survivors. Um, after she died, Sendak released a statement that said, with her incomparable editorial genius, Ursula Nordstrom transformed the American children's books into a genuine art form. I was there, one of her eager apprentices, profiting immensely from her intuition and her generous heart. She was the best of mamas, the best of teachers, the best of friends. Told you she was an art mm-hmm. mama. The next year, she was inducted to the Publishing Hall of Fame, and then a decade later, all of her letters were um, released to the public. Released as a book called "Dear Genius: The Letters of Ursula Nordstrom." I'm oh, going to buy a copy. Buy <laughs> I need to read it. So I did just purchase um, that YA novel. Oh, can I read it after you? Of course. Nice. Um, be on the bookshelf. <laughs> when you look at "Dear Genius," you'll see some cover art, and please note that Marie Sendak did all that cover art. Um. I wanted to leave you with one last quote of hers, mainly because I couldn't figure out a way where else I would jam it, and I just thought it was charming. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is her talking about her New Year's resolution. She said, My New Year's resolution is to be more loving. I don't know how it will work out, as I have been quite loving up to now with some disastrous or at least misunderstood results. (laughs) Anyhow, I'll try even more love, and I will let you know what happens. So far, not so good. But then, this is only the second day. (laughs) Uh... You were right. I fell deeply in love. Me too. With this woman. I want to marry her. I want to be her. I also want her to just like sort of take me up in her arms and pat me on the head and write me like nice little letters that I'm going to be okay and and stuff like that. I wish I could write someone a letter and they would tell me I was great. And if you look at pictures of her, like, I was thinking like, should I start writing people more so I have an archive after I die? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what social media is now it's just like a digital archive Mm -hmm. if you ever look at pictures of her like her eyes are full of so much laughter and joy it's incredible and she was a fat lady (laughs) which i like i didn't know she was also a fat lady yeah she's great oh that's so good so any final thoughts about our good friend ursula before we start winding down i can't believe i didn't know her name before right but I I i guess like that's the nature of publishing is that you don't yeah, you don't get it's, into it to be your, famous. Your, your company is what's publishing. You're just sort of if a you cog get into it to get machine. famous, it's not a good book, probably. Um, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of mind boggled with how much, how much she did to change children's literature. Every time you think she's done, she just does something yeah. else casually that changed our entire lives. I, the last decade of my life, I have touched a board book, at least. 78 times a week mm-hmm. up to about a month ago <laughs> because like they're amazing because you can chew on them if you're a baby oh it makes it easy to turn the pages like what would kids do before the pages were even able to be turned yeah gosh they would rip them and then they would get in trouble no wonder literacy is shot up because children oh have things they can read earlier durable 
books with interesting stories that tickle their imagination. Uh, I'm pretty happy right now yeah. with this lady. Those are my final thoughts. <laughs> yes. She's just she's so she's good. Just, I'm wow. <laughs> I'm so excited to get her book in the mail and just like, I don't yeah, know. I just ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, going to put it on the gay literature shelf. Yeah. And if any of you are big in any kind of movie or television industry, please consider making this a book, movie, or series or something. And also... Ooh, maybe I'll start adapting it into a screenplay. Bring it on. Oh, yeah. TM. TM, 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 TM. Vintage Lesbians Productions. IP. TM, TM. Oh, my God. Vintage Lesbians Productions. We can have a whole series on old lesbians. Now it's a TV show. Yes. TM, 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 does Leslie have any plugs this week? What's yeah. Leslie working on? So as as you know, Leslie made our beautiful um, logo. Thank you, Leslie, and for our logo design. Our beautiful stuff. And so often when people do something for you creatively, we like to plug their work. And so Leslie sent us some things for us to plug on her behalf. Okay. Oh, here's one that's going to make me have feelings. This time, Leslie says, you're capable of being a good friend. Try to be one to yourself. Which, Leslie, frankly, is rude. <sighs> Leslie, why would you say that to me? Like, you're right and true, but ouch. <laughs> Good plug, Leslie. Yeah. Appreciate it. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash vintagelespod for even more content. That's vintage L-E-S-P-O-D. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at vintagelespod, or send us an email at vintagelespod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our personal social medias, I am at just a Shan underscore on the Twits and the Instagrams and just Shan on CoStar. And I'm at Allison Humphreys on Twitter and Instagram and at Allison was here on CoStar. I got one person who added me. Oh, snap. It's great. We aren't haven't checked. gonna fall in love probably. CoStar, based. literally, I'm <laughs> it's being so rude to me lately. I messaged Joe this morning that I was worried that I was isolating starting to isolate myself a little. And then Literally two hours later, my co-star uh, uh, notification of the day said, you should get out of the house. You've been alone long enough. <laughs> like, fuck you, co-star. I have a screenshot that I'm going to find real quick of co-star. So co-star, um, for those who don't know, is an astrology app for iOS users who sends um, kind of vaguely ominous advice every day at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be sort of connected, like... It's the it's the it's the fortune cookie of your whole chart and everything conflating on today, uh, but oftentimes it's brutal and rude and too accurate. And stop it, co-star. Gosh, I have so many co-star um, screenshots. <laughs> at one point on June twenty first, I was texting with a friend, and at twelve forty p.m. I texted her the phrase, oh, I'm so mad at the world and everything. And at 12.41 p.m., I got the notification, stop accusing the world. So that was fun. Oh, man, that's rude. I know. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening. You are my friends, lesbians. even if we do not know each other. Get used to it. Just a quick sec uh, before we leave you until the next time, either next week or the week after. Depending on our personal Depending energy Depending on levels. our personal lives and states. A great way to support us if you don't want to give us any money is leave us a, a quick little five-star rate and maybe even a review if you want to. And we might give you a little shout-out 
for example, uh, we got an excellent five-star review by Tin Hershey. Thank you, Tin Hershey. Thank you. It's a, uh, Tin Hershey says, smart, cool people teaching our history, a good and important podcast. Oh, oh they think we're smart and cool. We've fooled them. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> thank you. From the bottom, From the bottom of, my of my heart. They, like, honestly, that, thank you. Yes. Um, you're my best friend now. Tin Hershey, if you want me to send you some money, I won't because I don't have any. Um, mm. Thank you for listening to Vintage Lesbians. I love you so much. I love you. Bye. Bye. And that was Vintage Lesbians. Love is love, bitches. Gays are incredible. <laughs>